The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and of course past performance does not guarantee future returns. The Fold is brought to you by O Media, making brands unmissable and public spaces better across Aotearoa. Kia ora and welcome to episode two of The Fold. I'm your host Duncan Grieve and this is the first episode of 2020, a brand new decade. Um, I'm pumped about it. Uh, the Fold is a podcast about the media in New Zealand, uh, kind of looking around here and out at the world because they're unavoidably, inextricably linked now. Uh, in episode two, I spoke to Hal Crawford, who is the departing head of news uh, for News Hub. Just to give you a bit of a background on him, he grew up in Perth. Uh, he cadetted at the West Australian, which is the big broadsheet at least historically, broadsheet newspaper out there. Um, moved to Sydney to work on 9MSN, which was at the time, might still be, the biggest news site in Australia. But it's sort of one of those paradox things where it's it's a portal. Uh, so a lot of people see it almost by default. It was, it was sort of proudly tabloid. Um, so it was the biggest news site, but not necessarily the most prominent or talked about. Um, uh, while he was there, he got really obsessed with with Facebook, which was sort of then new and shiny, and we didn't know what it was going to be. But he noticed that a lot of traffic was coming from there, and he got really fascinated with that and with trying to learn what lessons it contained. Ended up writing a book about it called All Your Friends Like This, which I recommend. It's co-authored with a few people, but Hell's parts of it are, I think, the best. Um... Uh, then he, yeah, then he took that huge job at, at News Hub, which was went from a, a big digital room newsroom to a bigger multi-channel newsroom, dominated by television, dominated by the three news newsroom as it was then known, which is a, you know, what one of the biggest, best, scrappiest, um, most courageous newsrooms in the country. One I've, I've always admired, um, one which does not take any shit, but. And so, you know, to be someone, an outsider, an Australian walking into that room, you've got to be pretty brave. Um, and he came in at probably the lowest or most freaked out time of its history. They just lost, you know, they'd just been through Save Campbell Live. They'd just lost um, Hillary Barry. They'd lost the vast bulk of their investigative journalists. This was peak Paul Henry era. It was just after Mark Weldon had resigned in a blaze of hellfire. It was a wild, wild time. Um, they'd been going backwards in the ratings, um, which we'll talk about for, for five straight years uh, in in the the key news and current affairs slots. And so it was part of his job to arrest that. He created the News Hub brand. He did a whole lot. Um, and now, like quite a number of, of key MediaWorks executives, he's leaving... Uh, 
in part because the channel is, is for sale. Um, we don't get into that because it's commercially sensitive and he's privy to things that he can't talk about. So we don't talk about the sale, but we do talk about a whole lot of other stuff. Um, we talk about the whole Save Campbell Live thing. We talk about... Uh, you know, the 2017 election, we talk about uh, Paul Henry, we talk about Mark Weldon, we talk about ratings, which I think I just barely discussed here, but obviously like drive the biggest um, media brands in the country. Um, and and we talk a lot about uh, Facebook, the way it's evolved and just a whole bunch of stuff. Maybe, I feel like that's making it sound boring. It's not boring. I don't think it's boring at all. Um, Hal is one of my best friends in the industry, one of the people I most like talking to. He's a very thoughtful guy, very clever dude. Um, he's a lost in New Zealand, but I don't think he will be lost in New Zealand. I get the feeling he'll come and go a bit in some capacity. If I had to bet, I'd say he'll end up working for one of the tech companies because they hire smart ex-news people who, are, who leave our industry because their one pays better. Anyway, it's a good time. Uh, have a listen. So, welcome to Hal Crawford, head of News Hub. That's for, right. For how much longer? Three weeks. Three weeks, and uh, and then you 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 wrap it all up. T- tell me about your your last New Zealand summer because you're you're like a New Zealand file. Like I, I you yeah. get up at four a.m. on a Saturday. And go kayaking, and you like New Zealand more than almost all New Zealanders, yeah. is my impression. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Um, so, what am I talking about? You're Can't... just explaining how you spent your last summer here. Oh, man. Well, actually, for a large part of it, I was packing and cleaning, <laughs> um, which, you know, is actually can become quite, um, quite an interesting sort of thing. Um, well, you have cause to reassess your, your choices? Well, yeah, you, you start to hate the things that you have. What do you and, hate most? What was the the thing that really like killed you? Well, the barbecue was like I thought the barbecue was Mount Everest, but then I had to clean the car, and the car was insane. Because you got young kids, right? So they really oh, but we already gave it the royal clean deluxe thing at the at the the, the professionals, and then I went in and was completely disgusted by the the job <laughs> that the professionals had done, and I was basically pulling the car apart and finding things that you know. I found spider webs, so you know, spider webs, old lollies, um, about half of piha in there in the bottom, uh, black sand, and yeah, I just went really deep, and I literally got underneath the car with my high pressure water sprayer, and yeah, I became obsessed with cleaning the car. <laughs> <laughs> it it may tell you something about me. I was about to say, like that. That's... I got out tweezers to get out dog heads. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, try cleaning a car with tweezers. <laughs> <laughs> this feels like you were working through some stuff. <laughs> it was incredible. I felt like I could I, I could write a chapter of that book about cleaning. But anyway, it's it's kind of a rabbit hole. It's kind of a sidetrack. And is that let, let's let's use that as an opportunity to segue into the car that was the three newsroom. <laughs> <laughs> oh right, okay. And As that, you found it, right? Like okay. when you when you walked in uh, yep. the door, yep. is that your phone? Yeah. Oh, sorry. 
Yeah. Unbelievable. That's it's actually Anvin and Anvin is the finance guy in the newsroom and he is so important to me. Like he Do you, do you want to take it like no, no, we do that? No, no. I just wanted to tell you how important you've got So so he's allowed to break through. You've your... got to have friends in finance. <laughs> and um the guy in finance is like he's like your wingman. Yeah. If you're the head of news the guy in finance is—he's looking after you. Because you got a lot of unexpected, unanticipated expenses. Oh my god! Like the Australian bushfires just recently. Yeah. You know, it's two grand a day for the stringer. Plus, Oof. I know, two grand a day. They must be. Are they really good? Or well, that's like that's a lot of money. Can you send over one of your kids? Like, yeah. Well, we did oh, that. We little kids now. <laughs> Stop it! Don't be little. <laughs> I'm not belittling them. It's oh, just okay. there was a big generation that went through. And yeah. Suddenly they were flying the plane. You know. Yeah. 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 Um, that just means you're getting older. Yeah, the, that's true, actually. Um, so anyway, it's very expensive. We didn't know those fires were going to happen. You know, we send, we, we're covering them for two weeks solid. And it's we, the biggest story in the world and it happens yeah. to be right next to us. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it was a great story. Loved it. Um, oh, I'm not having any pretense in this podcast, by the way. So, so the, yeah, well, do a declaration because I think it is oh, right. useful to know when, the way when I say When I say great story, I'm not going to pretend to be sentimental about stories that are horrible for other people and terrible things that happen because that's our job. And it's just disrespectful to whoever you're talking to and our audience to say, oh, look, it was a terrible thing that happened and I was really sad. That's a permanent invisible disclaimer in front of all news. Right. And it's like, well, it was a great story. Um, so I'm just saying I'm not going to do the, <laughs> the... The fake sentimentality. I'm not doing thing. The, You're not really I'm, into I'm not into doing that, that, are you? No. No. Okay. Uh, so you drop in. Oh, yeah. So where, where did we leave? We, 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 you, where did we you leave? You left it? Australia and you landed in the three news. I'm going to try and keep you... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So first day, uh, walking to work, um, I was staying in, uh, you know, in Airbnb or something like that. Yeah. And I got lost on the way. I got lost somewhere in the domain <laughs> and I was walking around in my suit in the mud and trees and it looked like it was going to rain. <laughs> And I was so nervous. I was so nervous because I had to come, I had to walk in. You know, I knew I knew the whole history of the newsroom. I knew about Mark World and he'd given me the job and then he'd gone before I got there. So the really my only contact with the newsroom had disappeared, the guy who gave me the job. Um I knew I was walking into a newsroom, which I felt somewhat unqualified to run. Um I knew it was a bigger newsroom than I'd run before. And um, it was a TV-based newsroom, and TV is not my thing. Uh, so, yeah, I was I was really hyped. I was hyped, and also New Zealand coffee is strong. <laughs> <laughs> it's strong. It can give you the jitters, especially you know, if you're from, coming from Australia, you're like, I might have a couple of coffees. But here, if you have a couple of coffees, like you've you're had, hanging. you've you what? You've had four shots at least. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's just something, <laughs> so something to watch out for if you're coming from Australia to New Zealand. Um, I, I don't know how I'm going to go back the other way though. So, uh, oh, I wanted to talk about being a New Zealander file, which we, which yeah, we, okay. Kiwi file, okay, whatever you want to call it. Let's quickly do that and then, then we'll oh, get back. Yeah, because I are, wanted to are... wax lyrical about how amazing this place is and just the sheer beauty, the kindness of the people, the openness of the people. And I know everyone here is like picking holes in everyone all because that, that's your job. That's fine. Um, but if you just wanted to get real for half a second, 
just enjoy it, love it, go out as much as you can because every time I get outside of Auckland, I'm just amazed at how cool everything is. And there's decent coffee and there's nice food and there's beautiful vistas. And, uh, yeah, just an amazing place. Yeah, he's not bullshitting, by the way. As you can tell like, by the fact that he was like calling the bushfires a great story, this is someone who's moving back to the bushfires. So when he says that he thinks New Zealand's a great place, he really means it, uh, just just for you listening at home. Uh, so you walk I'm in... Not, I'm not trying to make you feel good about yourself. No, no, I don't, no. I don't think you've ever tried to do that no. with anyone, <laughs> as, as far as I'm aware. Um, so you walk into this, this newsroom, different yep. medium, much bigger, yep. muddy, yep. it sounds like, yep. big, yeah. and sweaty. And like yep. really like just humming off, off the off yep. the off the coffee. Yeah. Uh, what did you find? Um, I found people who were willing to give me a go. So there definitely was a lot of standing because you know you, I came in there Flower Street. Uh, that's the address of the uh, MediaWorks newsroom. I came in there. Um, people surrounded me in a circle as I expected they would. Um, somewhat, you know, reticent, you know, not hostile, but, you know, uh, I'd say addressing a newsroom is generally quite generally quite difficult because um, you don't get anything off the audience. So you get nothing. They're passive. Uh, they listen. They soak it up like blotting paper, but it doesn't bounce off them. And if you want to have a contrast to that, go into a sales department. And I just love addressing sales. It is like, I mean, people are hooping and hollering before you know before you're finished <laughs> and it's like wow that's so awesome what you guys are doing so you don't get any of that from a newsroom what you get is people sitting back and actually evaluating everything that you are saying that's horrible <laughs> it is horrible because you've done it right once you start talking to a group of people it is like you're on a luge <laughs> you're, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're not changing up. course you're you're you are icy you're down an icy slope you you better have started at the right spot because you've got no control. Um, so and that's what I felt like I was down an icy luge. I think the luge that I'd chosen for that first address to the newsroom was pretty good. I'd carefully thought about what I wanted to say. I wanted to reassure them that I wasn't going to be a barbarian and destroy their culture. Um, I wanted to under- reassure them that I was a news person, that I love stories, um, and. I wanted to let them know that I was going to listen to what they had to say. So, you know, the classic stuff that you should do when you go into a place where no one knows who you are. So this is 2016, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. And just an extraordinary time to start there because this is one of the great news cultures, which we'll return to later. I know that's a particular obsession of yours um, in New Zealand journalistic history. Uh, in that it's had this amazing group of people and this they've always been the sort of scrappy outsider just, just tilting at the windmill that is uh, TVNZ. And they've always been treasured by the organisation. They've always been its heart. That's certainly my impression from the outside. And then you have Weldon come in and say, news is like a nice to have almost reality TV is going to be the future. And look, he was right about that from a commercial perspective, I think in some respects, but certainly his messaging was terrible. You had lost John Campbell just before you came. That's in. right. Yeah. Uh, like the, 
and you'd lost lost Hillary, lost Hillary, you'd lost uh, the last of your sort of investigative, not the last actually, New Sub Nation stuck around, but the the sort of prime time investigative stuff had gone. So that you were dealing with, you were walking into not just a big newsroom and not just a naturally sceptical newsroom, but a newsroom that had its heart, heart ripped out, was was incredibly traumatised and had a private equity owner that it thought was going to sort of just, just yeah. try and smother it. It, it. Some of the ideas that caused all of that um, upset, they weren't necessarily bad. The execution was absolutely appalling. And, um, you know, the... Um, it was naive. There was so much naivety. Like I came in and I saw the report from the consultants um, that they'd employed to, you know, it, it, it was classic. I mean, you, you only have to hang around five minutes in news um, to have seen one of these reports. And what they will say is that you've got to divorce the outputs from the, um, from the, from the production and, you know, what so does you, that mean? Yeah, so what it means is, like, if you're a consultant, um, you've got to come into an industry and have a smart idea about how to change it. So either it's one way and you flip it to the other side of the coin or vice versa. In this case, it was we had specific groups of people making specific products, like we had people making TV, people making radio, and people making digital. Their idea was, let's make a general reporting pool, then we'll have smaller groups responsible for the outputs. And straight away, I, I just said that's a shocking idea <laughs> um, because what you're going to have is the most powerful person in the newsroom, i.e. the head of that group of general reporting pool, not on the hook for an output. And we are going to die because the head of news, yeah, I mean, you know this, you run this <laughs> spin-off. It's an illusion of control. <laughs> the control <laughs> is very much an illusion. And believe me, as a head of news, the control is very much an illusion. Your control is putting the right things in place, putting the right people, making the right structures, making the right calls so things naturally go the right way. And if you have the most important um, leader under you in the newsroom who controls most of the resources, not on the hook for ratings, traffic, you know, listeners, you're, um, you're, you're screwed. So anyway, so I chucked that out. That was a terrible idea. And um, and then we got to the business of reforming the newsroom in the, in the right way. What 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 was the right way and how did they respond to that? Cuz newsrooms are they, you know, worldwide, even if you haven't had it happen to you, you know what's been happening to other newsrooms around the world and so there's a natural suspicion like any kind of reform you assume is like a code for redundancy that they're going to they're going to try and fuck you somehow. Mm. And yeah, yeah. So they resist uh, yep. using whatever tools they have to hand. Yeah. Did you find that? Um, I think people naturally resist. In my tenure, I was fortunately able to avoid any wide-scale redundancy. Um, and again, I, I'm not bullshitting when I say fortunate. I was just lucky. Um, and I also fought incredibly hard for resources for news within the company. Um, and that fight involves external, like you've got to get the ratings, you've got to, you know, you've got to make a noise, you've got to be important, you've got to break the stories that people are talking about, and it's also internal. Like, if you can't show the other executives in the business why news is important, then you are not doing your job. So that's that's been an, a very important part of it, and I've come to realise, you, you said at the beginning, 
um, news was at the heart of MediaWorks, and it is absolutely at the basis of what um, of of that MediaWorks TV business. It it it's there. It, it is it is the live content that that fuels fuels the TV schedule in particular. While you were there, do you feel like, whether by accident or design or the slow attrition of money strangulation, that that changed at all? Like that it's centrality? No. Um, you know, the newsroom, the MediaWorks newsroom, the News Hub newsroom is very expensive to run. Um, and even though we were always the scrappy outsider, it was only in comparison to a well-funded you know, government-owned TV um, company. We'll get to that. <laughs> um, no, I mean, it, however you cut it, it costs a lot of money to run what what we do. Um, and one of the things I sort of eventually became quite sick of hearing was that we were the underdog because um, I think it gave us a psychological let-out for, you know, subpar performance at, at times. And... Um, you know, when you're spending multiple tens of millions of dollars running something, uh, you should be able to do a pretty good show, which which we were. And you know, we we did some magnificent things and um, magnificent stories, which is, are still going to um, happen. A- an example was the 2017 election, which I absolutely adored. You know, that's my favourite election ever in terms of coverage, and I've been through a few Australian ones, and um, one because of what happened and the rise of um, Jacinda Ardern and, and just all that. And, and also just because of the way we covered it. And I just love doing the live debates that um, Patty Gower did um, with the leaders. Um, and it's just a real sense of occasion, light. You know, Patty was absolutely hyped to do within an inch of his life. I saw him in the change rooms beforehand. We did it out at the Vodafone thing. And, um, you know, so there are um, changing rooms for the, for the teams or whatever whatever they are. <laughs> and um, it was like, uh, how Patty's ready to see you now. And so I came in. There was no one else around. It was like a scene from some kind of crazy movie. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was Patty alone in a white dressing room. Um, and he was vibrating with energy. <laughs> <laughs> and I spoke to him and, and I talked. And now I'm like, okay, you know. So I just sort of reiterated a couple of things that we'd agreed on and settled him. I didn't settle him down. That was impossible, but, you know. And then um, after a while he said, right, Hal, that's it. You can go. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was a lot. I went to that uh, debate yeah. um, out there and it was – because it's rare. to Like I'd, I'd been to debates I think maybe in the 2011 election and there's like maybe 30 people there. This was like yeah. hundreds of people. Yeah. It was yeah. stacked and it, you know – you could feel the heat of the moment. It doesn't happen very often in, in live television that you get that kind of intensity. And yeah. you still you had all the storylines piling on. Yeah, it. It was a re- there was a real feeling that night, wasn't there? It was. It yeah. was special. Yeah. Um, and when you do a debate for the next time you organise your televised <laughs> debate, always shoot it in the round. You know, always have audience all around the debaters because then every shot you get is dynamic. And also they feel like they're in a pit. You know, an arena. Totally, that was in the out the back of the fiscal hole stuff. You know, there was there was that's right. electricity. That's in the right. Air. That's right. Accusations were being held around. Yeah, and, it was, yeah, it was, yeah. That was, was a great election. Yeah. Um. So, notwithstanding your point about 
you know, you can't have a multi, you know, like a, an eight-figure budget and, and always lean on the underdog. Yeah. There has been a persistent complaint um, out of MediaWorks, particularly over the last year, about uh, the, the sort of structural advantage that TVNZ has, which I don't know if – I feel like listeners of this podcast probably know what it is and feel free to, to kind of revisit that. But I guess – Almost zooming out a bit, like what what do you what did you immediately notice once you got to work about the difference in the Australian media and the New mm. Zealand media? Mm. You know, if, including the structural stuff if you need yeah. to, but also just yeah. the other, like we don't have Murdoch here, that, no. that kind of stuff. I'll hmm. well, I don't. As you say, everyone knows probably what how what I think about um, TVNZ and uh, not what I think about the organisation, what I think about the structure and. I think it actually took a while to dawn on me what the actual facts were about how that structure worked. And when I finally twigged, because I'm a bit slow to things sometimes, <laughs> I, I was like, you know, I'm like slow to anger, but, you know, I'll stay angry for a while. So um, I kind of just am still quite angry about the way that the structure works because it's crazy. Anyway, well, we lived with the structure for yeah, a long time because yeah. everyone was making money. And as long as everyone's yeah. making money, you don't think too hard about the structure. And it's only when you start to lose it and sort of you feel the yeah. the tension of that all yeah. the time that, of course, you'd stay angry. Yeah. And, um, and I guess I was angry because I could see that um, one of the outcomes of this not the cause, but one of the outcomes of the situation would be the closure of the business that I had come to love and. Um, the redundancies of people who I, I also loved and had and respected, and the loss of the stories that won't be told. Um, I don't I, I don't think that's going to happen. I'll just put it on the record right now. I, I actually don't think that's a viable thing um, that MediaWorks TV would be shut down. Um, it just doesn't seem very um, likely. Um, however, um, when I was looking through the possibilities and getting in the getting angry stage, um, that seemed to me quite a clear possibility. And um, and I didn't like the fact that a government-owned entity was part of creating that market. Um, the New Zealand media market, when I came into it, it's strange because on one hand, um, it's smaller and nicer, and, and and it's nicer in that, like I actually know Shane Curry, I know um, uh, all of the, I like uh, you know Mark Stevens, uh, I know. Um, the people who run the other businesses, and I actually like them. Um, Sinead and, you know, all of, all, of, all of these guys, Paul Thompson, you know, they're all good people who would come up to me and say hello. I, I'd come up to them and say hello. That's not the case in Australia. Um, wow. But it might be for some people, but it's not the case for me. <laughs> um, and I actually don't think it is the case for... In Australia, so what 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 do they do? How does that sort of is that just an enmity? Is that like what 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 drives? Yes, that? it's true enmity, not just let's pretend we hate each other. Um, it's true enmity. It is like some of those guys have got feuds. Some of them just really don't respect each other. Um, it is a more geographically diverse, so you might not ever have met these people. Um, on the other hand. What I was amazed about was the pressure cooker of New Zealand media. And by that, I mean, um, I walked into this newsroom that was in disarray and people were writing stories about us. 
you know, in the Herald and um, you guys and stuff. And I wasn't really used to that. But they have like a almost a more developed media yeah. coverage market in Australia. Yeah. Right? Like- it was particular to my situation as well because people were interested in the company that I'd um, come to work for. But also within the company that I worked for, people paid attention to what other people were writing. And that was the real kicker. And it, it, to me, it was nonsensical because it's like, well, you're just handing your own peace of mind to someone else who happens to be your enemy on a plate. I'm like, who cares if the Herald writes an article about the fact that, Hillary, you know, whatever Hillary's doing or whatever, you know, stupid thing we've done that they're picking up on. It's like, so you're really going to let that worry you? So, so it was a, it was a, but it felt like those stories rated. I mean, I I can't speak for the Herald and and so on, but it certainly felt like during the Weldon era, like whatever you publish, whatever kind of, and the newsroom was leaking like a serve. I don't, not so much after you got there, but certainly in that year beforehand. So you were getting these kind of, you know, like it, Whereas the the Australian media coverage feels like it's a sort of it's not dispassionate, but it's like a it seems to traffic in sort of gossip that is of interest to journalists, but not non non journalists or non media people, mm. and in the business of it because it is a viable yeah. business or, or, or sort of seems to present as such over there. Whereas here it was it was sort of personalities and the the sort of culture of the organisation. It was very it felt like it was of interest to not just the the newsrooms, but to the wider public. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, and uh, I enjoyed reading it, um, you know, when I objectively, and I would often have these discussions with other executives at, at MediaWorks because they, they'd be outraged about the latest thing that was published and I'd go, oh, I quite liked it. <laughs> and, you know, because it's like, well, that's good piece. You know, I like mm. that's interesting. Um, I'm, I mean, I particularly loved a piece about Paul Henry that was kind of slice of life, you know. Um, I can't remember who wrote it, whether it was Stuff or Herald. Was it the Greg Bruce profile of him, the one that led to him resigning? No, no, not oh. that one. No, um, uh, no, this was a different one. Anyway, it's just a really good piece of journalism because the guy had got um, <laughs> the guy got Paul at the end of it. Like, never schedule a, an interview on a Friday with someone who's been working doing in mornings the whole week. That's that's the first mistake. Yeah. And never let them drink and all that sort of stuff. Anyway, um, it was just a good piece of journalism and, you know, it goes down. I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to roll around in it because it was, um, you know, Paul was being um, indiscreet and, and, and foolish in what he was saying. But um, uh, I liked it. In, it was a problem for me. Look, my life was a constant. It was a constant series of of crises, and and kind of um, that's what I had to get used to. I hadn't had that in my past jobs. I'd been a I'd been a head of news for people for organisations that no one cared about. Right? I mean, Nine MSN in um, in Australia was the biggest digital publisher, but no one cared. Um, you know, it wasn't one of the established players in that sense. Um, I came to work for nine, um, but I was working on the digital side. Before that, I'd worked in newspapers, you know, education, all that sort of stuff. So I hadn't actually been in an organisation where people took a lot of notice about what happened internally. So that was um, that was something that I had to sort of deal with. And then there was just... I mean, it was pretty crazy. It was like crisis after crisis. 
one of the first things that happened to me was that um, Paul, who I, Paul Henry, who I really like, he's a, to me, he's just a great guy. He told me that he wanted to leave. And that was just like, you cannot be serious. What was Paul's role at the time? Was he doing... The Paul Henry show. Which was the morning show. Yeah, 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 the morning show. So that was 2016. And what Paul had, Paul and that show had done, and it was EP'd by Sarah Bristow, who's now going to be the head of news. But what Sarah and Paul had done was absolutely turn around breakfast TV. They had started winning. They basically doubled the ratings in the morning. Uh, and they just turned the momentum around. And Breakfast TV has a really big impact on the rest of the TV schedule for strange reasons, which I don't fully understand, but it does. Um, so it might be as simple as people leaving their TV on that, sh- on that station. In any case, Paul had made this wonderful show. He'd done two years of it, well, when he talked to me, a year and a half, and he was done. He was like, no, hell, I'm exhausted and I'm, I'm done. And um, I just couldn't accept that. <laughs> I could not accept that. It was like, what are you telling me? That I'm just here, I'm new, and the first thing we're going to have to announce is that our biggest star. And you've been losing stars. Your, your stars. You know, right, like, right. It's quite good point yeah. to hold on to. Yeah, I know. So I, I went to crazy length, but it didn't work. Um, we're just going to take a quick break now and uh, come back to keep talking about the saga that is Media Walks with Hal Crawford. The Fold is brought to you by O Media, making brands unmissable and public spaces better across Aotearoa, with over 4,000 out-of-home advertising sites nationwide across both street furniture and retail centres. I'm super grateful to O Media for enabling us to make unmissable connections with Kiwis. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. All right, so... I'm uh, I'm conscious that we we you know we, I feel like we could talk about the the, the dramas and the, the crises in the newsroom. I think I might need to at some point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe um, maybe now's not the time for that therapy. <laughs> the other thing I wanted to to talk well, one of the other things I wanted to talk about was your a particular um, obsession of yours, which is news cultures, which I don't think is an expression I'd heard from anyone else until I heard it from you. But it's one of those things that when you're a journalist, you sort of intuitively understand and furthermore three had has i think still one of the the great and i think the most um just sort of dynamic news news cultures uh in new zealand do you want to explain what you mean by that and and why you think it's so important you're considering mm. writing a book mm. on it is that a yeah. true thing is that a thing we can announce um yeah I, i'm the i'm actually i started writing the other day uh and it may not be a book about news cultures, but it will certainly mention them. Now, the thing about it, I started thinking about, you know, we, you and I and others, we spend a long time talking about the future of our industry and how can we get the resourcing that we need to tell the stories that have to be told. And, um, you know, one of the things, uh, the other day we, we did a, well, it's actually several months ago, but 
you and I and others, we came together and we thought about the future of the industry and New Zealand on air was there and Minister was there. The minister was there. Now the important thing that I was thinking about at that time, which I've continued to think about, was how useless spot funding is for news. <laughs> so by spot fund, any sort of discreet little bit of money and you're like, Okay, let's go and give this to that to tell that story. Well that's hopeless. And that's not gonna that's not going to create news cultures. And and spot funding describes precisely what New Zealand on air doles out and what is yep. effectively being considered as a potential sell yep. for all, all that ails yep. New Zealand news. Yeah. So New Zealand on air is a great way of setting up funding for certain things. And I actually really, having come from Australia, I really like it. It is not a good model at the moment for funding news because news cultures have to exist over time to exist at all. And the thing about news culture is um, you need to have colleagues in order to be able to tell stories and you need to have a functioning news culture. The example that I think about is a sole... um, person on social media, publishing on social media, if you wanted to tell uncomfortable truths about anyone in your local community, uh, you would be psychologically unable to do so. Most people couldn't do it because they're too sensitive to what other people think of them. Um, They need encouragement and support from colleagues, uh, and they need some kind of financial legal protection, um, especially when you are talking... um, if you're bringing information to the public that other people don't want, you're, you've got a target on you. If you're, if you're alone, it's just not going to happen. So once you've, once you've understood that very simple point, you understand why you need to have news cultures. And then the real question for us is how do we create news cultures? You know, aside from a traditional newsroom, which we're kind of working out are too expensive to run in many circumstances. Um, yeah, well, and that, that feels like the big kind of almost existential question for the news media is that in the absence of the sort of strong longitudinal revenue streams that sustained us with this sort of shrinking, evolving, uh, you know, evolving at best, um, revenue streams and the kind of constant movable feast that is audience um you know like we came from an era where there was print there was television and there was radio and once you had a thing whether it was a newspaper or a radio frequency a tv channel you were just filling your holes mm. is that fair yeah because i never really worked on it but that's certainly looking back it seems like it mm. seems relatively simple you know the, you were space constrained and there were high barriers to entry and audiences really didn't have a lot else to do yeah. with their attention. There, were, there was a huge amount of complacency in that world, and uh, therefore I don't mourn it. Uh, I know a lot of people do. But, um, you know, I started in 95, and believe me, things in 95 were hellish. No one was happy. <laughs> it's actually comforting to hear. That's, yeah, no one was happy. Everyone was miserable. Like, things were so much better in the past. Uh, You know, the standards were slipping. In 95, you know, there was this obscene thing about newspapers. They were like this fat. You know, everyone was really down about how fat the newspaper was. (laughs) And 
you know, in retrospect, it was like that apparent, that was the rivers of gold time. You know, newspaper revenues peaked, what, 20, 2002 or something? Mm-hmm. So I had come into it just before the peak. And for all the world, I thought, oh, my God, things must be really bad. You know, there are only six cadets in the cadet intake this year. They've only got six months to teach a shorthand. <laughs> That's really terrible. You know, standards really poor. Um, so that was the mentality when I went in. There was all sorts of complacency and dysfunction. Um, I don't see why we should particularly mourn that world. Some of the um, craft, um, I, I know why people love it. I love it too. You know, the style guide, the the the, the culture of, um, you know, the unsentimental story-based culture, I absolutely adore. Um, but there's there's ways to continue that culture, I believe. So, and in, in the place of that sort of stable, profitable world has come the, the sort of chaos wrought by the the internet. Um, and and even though before you said that the, the consultant's um, report of, you know, con- consolidating to, to a sort of combined newsroom with, with various kind of heads piloting that, that output, which to anyone who's worked in a newsroom and knows the, the specific skills, it's how rare it is that someone can file on all three cylinders, if you'll pardon oh, the pun, yeah, yeah. Um, the, is, is farcical. But in a way, you did something like it with, with News Hub. Like explain mm. what it was you yeah. were trying to achieve there and, and give yourself a grade on its success. So News Hub um, was actually a really brilliant idea. And um, it wasn't it wasn't my idea. Um, it it um, I'd just like to call out Andy Brown actually, who was um, head of marketing uh, at the time that um, that News Hub launched, um, at, with others for getting that together. Um, News Hub works because you don't want a platform specific um, cell. So you know if you are um, if you do have digital radio um, uh, and TV assets and you're, you're publishing on all three, why not unite under a common news banner and then you can sell across the three and any marketing work you do in one works with the others. Any team building you do in one works for the others and it all goes to support the cause. Um, one thing that I've come to understand um, is the importance of marketing for news and News Hub as a marketing vehicle is very efficient um, it worked because it didn't have TV, online, or radio in its name. Uh, it's got news in its name. Uh, and, you know, the best number of brands is one. News Hub is one brand. I would have liked to rationalise the AM show and other things into News Hub. Um, that was just constrained for practical reasons. But where possible, I News Hubified everything. You know, we brought in Nation, we called it News Hub Nation. It's really simple, but names determine a lot of things, and names are important. So um, what News Hub allowed us to do was um, sell cross-platform and talk about what we did as an unfragmented whole, and, and that was just brilliant. You talked about, you've touched on ratings a couple of times, which are this thing that people in television are obsessed with mm. because it has a direct uh impact on on 
revenue, but people outside of it, like they're not even really published or discussed in, in New Zealand. What, what has happened to ratings in your time? Because it's, yeah. you know, from, from the figures I've seen, they, they have declined, yeah. especially in certain de- demographics, quite dramatically. But it's yeah. like this big thing that affects everyone that no one talks about. Yeah. Don't they talk about it? Well, they don't talk about them publicly. Oh, and no. They're, no. They're not well understood no. outside of the smoky no, no. rooms. Well, there's um, there's two two ways of uh, – well, there's more than two, but there's two ways that we talk about ratings. We, we talk about share, and uh, that is just the share of available audience, and that, of course, is a relative measure, and that's not going to go uh, uh, away over the time. That's not going to dwindle over there's the time. There's always 100 as the total. Right. Um, and uh, there's, uh, there's ratings, which is a much more absolute measure, and, and you can see what happens to it over time. So the uh, w- I care about 2554, um, not five plus. Twenty five fifty four is what MediaWorks sells to, so that's what's important to us. Uh, for TVNZ, uh, they they may be more interested in five plus, although you can't sell anything to five year olds. And you know, once you're too old, it's uh, you're not very um, fruitful either. <laughs> um, let's face it. <laughs> Apologies for too old listeners. <laughs> too too old listeners. Um, that's all right. I don't think anyone's trying to sell anything to me either. Um, <laughs> all right. So the thing about that is that people using television, it, the, that number is going down. So um, that's that's the existential challenge for that um, for the industry. People using television is just the the absolute number of people who are tuning in. Um, ratings uh, are uh, going down you know where you might have you know you might have had a lot of 10 plus shows you, you don't anymore um, the uh, what's happened in news for uh, for for my properties for 6 p.m and 7 p.m that is news hub and, and um, the project is that we had a period of steep decline so I've, I've just done the work because I'm sort of doing a handover document which um, would is a very fascinating document. Um, which I can't give you. Um, <laughs> I saw that look in my eye. <laughs> and uh, so 10 years, um, so uh, 2009 to 2019, this is real big picture stuff. Oh, man, I really want that. Yeah, yeah. You, well, I can describe this. I can describe the, the curve. So it is like like this gets to 2015 and flattens, totally flat for our ratings for so 6 p.m. because this is a podcast, I'm going to ask you yep. to describe that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! I just made a shape in the ha- in, in the air with my hand. Sorry, everyone. Um, it's not a hockey stick. It's like okay, so it's just like a hill. It's a steep hill. That's st- in two thousand and nine. It's going downhill. Then it hits twenty fifteen and it's flat. So the toboggan ride is over at twenty fifteen. That's because of the launch of News Hub. It's also in, at seven pm. It's because of the launch of the project. So what we have done, believe me. <laughs> Do I, do I look like a physical wreck? Because the, <laughs> oh, man, I didn't want to the, say the, the effort that we have put in over the last three and a half years is all about, you know, flattening that line because we were in free fall, like we were losing it. And now we've managed to flatten it in uh, at 6 p.m. and 7 p.m. And that is a major achievement. So it's interesting, right, because I feel like if you were to ask uh, – some like a like the impression that p- was given to the public during the same Campbell Live campaign, yeah, was that this was a politically motivated or, or you know, or, or this was not because 
of ratings. I mean, Campbell Live is, was the 7 p.m. show. Yeah. That's the big change, you know, because you've had a six, an hour-long 6 p.m. news show throughout. Um, you've lost Home and Away mm-hmm. during 2010, mm-hmm. which is often cited Don't talk as, to me about Home and Away. Yeah. Every, it's, a, it's, a, it's an in-joke um, <laughs> in, in, in the team I work in, which is you're not allowed to talk about Home and Away. <laughs> Because, I can imagine. Because just... every time there's like, oh, yeah, but then we lost home and away. And, I, and it's like this, it's this unstable. Is it real? Like what, what, what yeah. was it as big a loss as it, yeah. as it is often held up to be? Yeah. But like, you know, it's take lost. some bloody responsibility for your life, for God's sake, and stop <laughs> saying home and away. Do you know what I mean? I do. Okay. All right. So what, why what, was Campbell Live as big a loss you know like were, were people watching it to the extent that they were in, in, a, in an amount commensurate with the the rage that greeted its uh, eventual cancellation you mean was it rating well yeah it was rating well at the end yeah it was rating incredibly well at the end but that was like a protest rating right it was there was an amazing spike um you know which to this day is an anomaly which you know appears on the you know it's it's like yeah it's, it's, a, it's like one of those blips in the hist, in the in the climate record where you know an asteroid hit. So the asteroid hit and Campbell Live was cancelled. Um, I think it was done poorly. I think it was. I mean, it, look, I I'm not. I shouldn't comment on that, but it was done poorly. Mm. Um, you mean you mean the execution? Right. Yeah. The execution of the execution. Yeah. Um, but it did need to be executed. Uh. <laughs> Something you know, you know what? I'm then. not commenting because what if I was here then? Would have I shut the show and would no? We would have had to. You had to do something. That's that's what I'm you asking. Had to do something. Is that you couldn't just keep rolling the old team you, out and absolutely. then hoping that the results would change? What are you because insane? Re- yeah, no. Well, I no, hope not. No. I mean, I'm in no. the media business. So. You got to. If you can't change your shows, who? What? Are, you're not running a TV business. You know, you're not. You are not running a TV business if you can't. Am I going to get angry about not being able to change my shows? Because I feel like I am. It's like you have to be able to change your programming. It's funny though, like you say that, but RNZ has had morning report and nine to noon and, you know, afternoons and, yeah. and checkpoint. Like yeah. that, that is a sort of a key difference between yeah. commercial and... Uh, M- maybe they've just weathered so many storms that they, but they don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I also think that their audience reaction would make the Save Campbell Live campaign. Yeah, what, I mean, but what really, what, what, what are their drivers? Their, drive, their drivers are ask covering because, you know, the worst thing that can happen is that you get in trouble if you work for a government-owned entity, right? Well, especially especially a non-commercial one where your, your money right. just turns up. But also, they they have a different reason for being. Yes. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you want to cancel some of their shows? No, no, I don't. Well, not necessarily. It's, no. not, it's not. It's not my job. But I, I do think it's. Uh, you know, if you want to know what the the differences between commercial and non-commercial media, you can look at the schedules. Um, so, so there was this tremendous effort to to save this thing. You had News Hub launched. Um, what what did you what what is the sort of the single biggest thing you learned through all of that sort of chaos and pain and crisis to crisis and, mm. and all of that? Mm. Wow, big one. I know. Yeah, that's a big one. Um, it, you know, it was personally it was very good because. Um, uh, I think like a lot of people, I'm naturally quite fearful and um, I may not appear to be. Um, and 
the sort of compilation of crises just made me a lot tougher. And, you know, making really difficult phone calls, um, disciplining people, um, trying to keep a cool head when um, things are getting nasty. Uh, all of that, I, I learned a huge amount through through that period. And just, you know, every weekend there would be something. Every weekend there'd be phone calls. Every weekend there'd be a story. And um, so that professionally I learned to um, just go with it and to deal with every – it's like when you're surfing and there's a big set comes through and you're just getting smashed and you just have to deal with every wave. So just dealing with every wave, that was that was a good lesson. Um, you know, and but also, let, shall we get a bit existential? Yeah. Yeah. It's um, we tend to. Yeah. So, you know, just that idea that, you know, I personally had chosen everything, just that I was there. I'm here. I'm in New Zealand. You know, it might, it might feel to me like, oh, my God, what's going to happen now? You know, who's going to do something crazy? Who's going to get a job offer from someone else? Who's going to, you know, w- what's going to happen to ratings? You, you, I just had to change my, for my own survival, I had to change my thinking. And it had to be that everything that is happening to me is, is my choice. Um, and when I could adopt that way of thinking, um, then everything started to get better. And now I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> you're happy because you're, you're, well, not, is not the effect of your leaving, is that related to your happiness? <laughs> I think it's partially related to my happiness. Yeah. Do you uh, know what you're doing yet? Yeah, I'm doing nothing for at least a couple of months. Yeah. Yeah. So, I uh, know I don't know where I'm going to go and work. But you're moving back to Sydney? Yeah, yeah I'm moving to Sydney. Yeah. And um, let's just rewind a bit yep. to before all this, because I want to talk about Facebook, but um, which I feel like you have thought about as much, if not more than any media executive in New Zealand. In fact, you've written a book about it. Tell, tell me about, which is, is called uh, All Your Friends Like This, and you should buy it because it's, it's actually very good. And the best stuff in it is written by Hal. He's a very good writer. Uh, what, what I want to know is, I guess, what your initial impressions of Facebook were and how they've evolved over time. Um, I was always pretty pro-Facebook. So, and I, I, on balance, I still am. Um, I'm also pro-Google, so that makes me quite um, strange in the traditional media world. Um, the, uh, so Facebook, um, was just another company. You know, I mean, it's hard to, to take your mind back there. Um, and they had a pretty rubbish interface. It was all sort of clunky and weird and they just in, insane dedication to refining and improving that over time. And that's, you know, and, and that focus has obviously got them where they are. The um, first indication, I mean, it, w- it was pretty early when we started realising we were getting quite a bit of traffic from Facebook and therefore they had a, a big role to play in the news industry. This was at MSN? Yeah, yeah. So this was at 9MSN. Um, as I said before, we were really a really big traffic um, sort of site, super tabloid. Um, I learned all of my tabloid chops there. I've never lost that, you know, love, love a good headline. In, insanely competitive. If if you and I, you know, had a traffic competition, then 
I You'd would clean I would, house. No, I wouldn't. I'm saying I would just become insanely competitive. Yeah, but I, I, I would not be. Yeah, well, I, I no, no, no shot at beating a, a good tabloid. But I, but you've got there is an there is an art to it which I think is, an is underrated. Like people who, you know, and you can tell when there's a new social media manager, someone who's got it. Mm. Like, I think like the Herald's sales lately have been mm. outstanding. The mm. whole vibe of it. Yeah, um, I mean, and I just came to appreciate that spark. Um, it is it 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 is by no I don't want to glorify it. It's by no means uh, the end of uh, the end of the game, and I, I and there are huge important things that we should be doing. Every opportunity I got at Nine MSN, I tried to put money into original reporting, and I basically just used the traffic to try and subsidise that. So that was my agenda. Um, Facebook was again for me a way of trying to subsidize the agenda and it was like oh we're getting amazing traffic from this thing let's maximize it let's find out what um, people share because that's changing news you know if people share dog stories we never knew that before we're going to do more dog stories so that was changing us and it became a loop Um, and that's what everyone saw in fact in that book that you mentioned we wrote a chapter on hoax news as we called it um, and that became fake news, and fake news became quite totally a thing. Prescient. Quite, quite a thing. Uh, I kind of wish that we'd um, followed that one up with a little bit more research, but at that time already, um, it was pretty obvious that it was going to be a major thing, and the basic reason was economic, which is that it's very, very cheap to make news that isn't true. Mm. compared to, you know, it's expensive to make news that is true, as you know. Original news that is true is a phenomenally expensive commodity that cannot be funded. It's just so damn expensive to ascertain facts. Mm. And it's like, oh, do I really have to make sure that that's true? It feels (laughs) true. What a drag. (laughs) What a drag. Um, So, uh, but you do. And uh, that's that's the essence of the of the promise. And uh, that right, and and if someone is competing on you on a completely equal field, except that their news it doesn't have to be true, and yours does, you're gonna lose. Um, so we kind of worked that out. Now Facebook. Um, Do you think Facebook has a responsibility, or should have a responsibility, to be more kind of choosy about you know create a create a better environment for the. The yeah. true news versus the, the just, not true news? Just just remember for a second about Facebook that they have evolved. And they have evolved from a company that was transparently providing a platform. And all they were was a carrier. Mm. They have changed. And they're internally, probably, their culture hasn't kept up with that change. You know, they became world dominant. They be, they be, they dictated whole industries. They dictated the, the flavor of news. They dictated everything. They dictated the outcome of elections. And they just internally took a hell of a long time to catch up with the, that responsibility with, that comes with that. Mm. And, and they're still catching up to well, it. You, yeah. And you, well, you talk about how your newsroom felt like when they were being written about in, in these other you know, poxy little New Zealand news sites. Imagine being Facebook and realizing that the installation of yeah. kind of inarguably the worst president yeah. of a, you know, the last like century. Hell. Like hell. It's been, I, I, my, my belief is that internally at Facebook it's been like hell. Yeah. but but Or, or do you think that they have just no. not, not believed it? No, no, they're not insensitive. They're, yeah. they're, um, you know, they're, they're hyper aware of what people are writing about them. 
It must be a very, very difficult thing to assist. But at the same time, I don't think that they, they don't. If it's been like hell, you'd expect there to be more emotion, more, more kind. You know, you don't feel yeah. that externally to the extent that you would expect. And I certainly, when I talk to people at Facebook, and we have some mutual friends who work there, they seem acutely aware of it and troubled by it. They're very thoughtful people, but the. You know, the one, the, yeah. the sun god of Facebook. Yeah. Uh, Don't forget it's an engineering it's company. It's an engineering company. It's an engineering and company. And I think that's such a critical thing to understand, yeah. right? Yeah. The other thing to understand, just, and I don't know, this might be very well understood by listeners, is like a lot of people, you know, who are, who are in the media, they either have good news habits or they get their news from Twitter. No one else does. No one else does, right? No. Like, so, like, what what is the quantum difference between traffic from Facebook and Twitter for for just people who are listening? It's not. It, Twitter does not even register. It's like, um, you know, it's like app traffic. You know, for, <laughs> just quietly, I don't like apps. Yeah. Um, you know, less less than one percent of traffic, and same with Twitter. Yeah, forget it. It yeah. is not important. The only reason it's important is because your boss is questioning you about something that's been written about on Twitter. So t- Twitter is basically a, a news input. Yeah. It's not really yeah. a news output. It's, a, it's a news input. It absolutely is a news input. One thing about Facebook, can I just bring up my favorite um, hobby horse about Facebook? Uh, please do. <laughs> Which is um, that they're sitting on a trove of information. That, and this is where this I get mad with them. This is my favorite get mad <laughs> with Facebook time. Too. Yeah. The, this, the point is that they have the ability to understand humanity, humanity better than anyone ever before in the history of the world because of their trove of psychological and behavioral data. And that is not being used as it should be used to better understand ourselves. It's just being used to, to sell you products. Yeah, I don't care about that. That's yeah. fine. Yeah, But they, 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 they could do all this other stuff with it, but they're choosing not to. What about... You know, the stuff that they only just nibbled the edges of before everyone flamed them and just roasted them and killed them for understanding people a bit better. Like that whole emotional contagion thing, right? Mm. Right. Just a very small study that proved that you can catch emotions from the words that other people use. Imagine what else they could do. I mean, it's absolutely mind-boggling, you know, I'm sure that they could tell when you're going to break up with your wife. I'm sure that they can tell when you're going to do, you're going to, you know, have find new friends. Or I'm sure that they can tell. They already know that you're pregnant before you do it. Right. Right. Isn't there, when you have that, isn't there some kind of responsibility to share that in some way with humanity? Well, in some ways, the, the, the response that we gave to the, they figured out how to make you depressed and not make you depressed. Yeah, would have been so terrifying. That the that's idea—that's exactly right. And to be honest, like, I think you're both right. But also, if anyone is going to be given this godlike task of figuring out that data and then potentially deploying it, I don't trust them. No. Well, I'm not. I don't think it's a question of trust. I think. But uh, are they the appropriate people to to hold that? Yeah. Well, that, the the fact is that they do at the moment. So either. There, you know, we we totally nationalise that data, mm-hmm. um, which would obviously be quite a, a strange precedent and a problematic thing to do in a lot of places that don't have yeah. good democracy. Yeah, look, I, I don't I don't know what the answer is, but I do You're know right. I do know that the getting angry about them doing experiments and roasting them was not the way to go. I think doing experiments is one thing, but certainly like 
analyzing the data in post in ways that are more uh, have have greater levels, greater aspirations than I would like to increase the efficiency with which oh, yeah. I can uh, that's sell. Lame. You know, that's so lame. Um, I mean, do that because that's your business, but do some other stuff too. Yeah. But the problem is, I think they're cowed into just doing nothing but defended in their position. They are in the most intense crouch right now. Yeah, well, every time they do something interesting, they get attacked. Anyway. Yeah. Um, What else should we talk about? Well, let's let's go existential again. We actually don't have a huge amount of time. Yeah. um, In part because you don't know how to read my my text and came very, very late. Um, so the media, the media. Business. Uh, what I've made, I've made up for in quality. Yeah, what, what, what we it's don't been, have it's in quality. It's been really strong. Um, the do you think there is a future in advertising funded media? Wow, wow. Um, yes, I do, and the reason is that. Um, so I've thought a lot about this actually and about how, you know, what we do is gather attention and then sell attention so that other people can sell their stuff. You know, that's basically what we do. Uh, and if you thought there wasn't a kind of a future for advertising funded content, then you would be suggesting that, um, somehow the advertisers needs are being met, um, elsewhere. And I don't see that happening. And furthermore, it just turns out that the way, this strange way of doing attention, buying attention and then using it to sell your product actually kind of works. And it's just, it's just weird that it does. It doesn't, weird, it doesn't work to pay people to watch advertising. Um, they've tried it. It doesn't work. Uh, it doesn't work for advertisers to make their own content. Tried it. doesn't work. I know. I know. Believe me, it's over. <laughs> Party's over. He's he's absolutely wrong on that point, but we'll we'll, yeah. we'll move on. Yeah, as uh, uh, a model some other time. Yeah. What about? But I mean, I think all that can be true. But the most popular, the most valuable and popular media brand in the world right now has no advertising on it, no intention, and that is, I think that is a very underrated part of its popularity. Who? Which Netflix? Oh right. Yeah. Um. Yep. Yep. That's um. There are two advertising-funded yeah. companies that are far more valuable, and both of them, one's about $600 billion, one's about a trillion. Yeah. But I, I, they, neither of them create any original content. They're not media. They are media companies, but they're also not media companies yeah. in the sense that they have no creative control over the media. I, 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 I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's a necessary requirement of a content business to have be funded by advertising, but... Do I think that advertising-funded content is going away? No, I don't. I think display advertising at the moment is a bloody hard game to be in. Um, Why would that change? Do you think that'll change? um, Because that's the predominant model of funding non-paid-for print products on the internet. Non-paid-for print products on the internet. Yep, sure. Um, That, yeah, it's going to be hard for a long time. Um, there is um, no there's there's an infinite, infinite supply, supply infinite supply. Um, the it's just that you know because I thought for a long time I thought okay it's rooted, you know it's done display is done, but the thing is that advertisers need it 
<laughs> I know. I know that's but but that's sounds... not the same as as uh, meaning that that it will ever exist at a high enough price to create original work. Yeah, I mean the well, it it will it will exist. It's just that the current models are not quite right. Um, but it, you have faith, hopefully, that one one day they'll improve the product because the, the the product is not product's not great. It's a bad product. No, no, the product can be bad. Um, but you know, uh, refinement over time, um, exclusivity of some of that function. You know, the model of okay, you'll come to us and we'll create your advertising for you and we'll work with you to make bespoke. That's one thing that people are trying out like yourself um, mm. that's that's one way to much higher value advertising that's really important and that's totally valid um, I, I just think that we have a current model of display at the moment mm. which is I should be able to just give you a copper plate you know just a spot and and then that should be valuable to you that's that's going away mm. I don't I think borrowing attention off people for a fee that's not going away Right. Yeah. Okay. And we get attention from amazing <laughs> content like what we're doing right now, right? That's true. Well, this is a very sophisticated uh, podcast, incredible audience, and no sponsor yet. So, yeah. you know, yeah. if you're listening, wasted you opportunity. Huge, huge wasted opportunity. Uh, well, I really appreciate your, your coming up here, Hal. I've, I've very much enjoyed talking with you over the past couple of years. I'd also like to think that even when you're in uh, Australia, we could we could talk periodically because yeah, why people, not? I, there's, why not? There's no good reason. No, there is no good reason. And uh, even if I can't come to these offices, actually, I think I will be able to because, as I said, I like it over here and I love fishing over here. So you think you'll make the trip back periodically? Yeah, I think so. Um, also, I want to say to you, thank you very much because um, it's part. It's again very special New Zealand media. I mean. I made a great friend and a colleague uh, at a at an organisation um, that when I came, everyone's like, oh, Duncan Grieve, oh, <laughs> watch out for him. Oh, he's a bastard. He wrote some really nasty things about Shit, us. They were onto it. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm like, well, I don't know. Let's give him a go. Let's see what he's really like. And, you know, you turned out okay. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that, though. I think your colleagues probably probably had me pegged. Right, to be honest. Um, thank you so much, Hal, and uh, good good luck with whatever comes next. Enjoy the, the couple of months off, and uh, yeah, hopefully we'll, we'll see you back in New Zealand. That was The Fold, brought to you by our partners at O Media, making brands unmissable and public spaces better across Aotearoa. Huge thanks to O Media for sponsoring this episode of The Fold and enabling us to make unmissable connections with Kiwis. Kia ora e te iwi, Kiaihe Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.